How do you approach the living and holy God? Are you approaching God? That's a whole other question in and of itself. Um, a lot of times we think we're approaching God, but maybe are we really approaching our own desires or our own wants? And that is another subject in and of itself. And this morning we're looking at a new section, and it's a, it's a beautiful section because now Solomon goes from looking at all of the vanity of life, and, and he all of a sudden skyrockets, and he says, now let's look at God. And that's what we get a chance to do over the next few weeks. But in of that, I want you to answer this in your, in your life, and that is, I want you to think about and answer is how is your relationship with the holy and true God? Are you just sitting back and just hoping and waiting for God to do something for you? Or are you approaching God? And, and how's your relationship with God? And Solomon's going to bring out some things about some of the vanity of false worship and some of the things that we falsely rest our laurels on. Maybe you're resting on the fact that you know that God is love and and God loves you and God uh, wants to bless you. But where are you in your relationship and is God able to bless you, truly bless you this morning? Or are there things in your life that is in the way of this relationship with God? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love where she's back. The joyful, the joyful little one. I love it. So this morning, as we read the text in Ecclesiastes 5, I want us to get a sense of our relationship with God. And are we truly, are we just vainly, falsely worshiping a desire? Or are we worshiping the true and holy God? Are we quick to just come to, to worship, but the reality is, are we really worshiping? And those are some questions that we're going to be coming face-to-face with in the text. And so, if you're there, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 this morning, and then let's pray and ask God to give us understanding of His Word. Verses 1 through 5 of Ecclesiastes 5, he says this, Solomon gives us God's word and he says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, for a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For then dreams 
increase and words grow many. There is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. Let's ask God to bless his holy word this morning. Lord, what great and powerful words, words of thinking, words to provoke our heart. Lord, I thank you that your spirit does that. The Holy Spirit brings comfort, but also leads us to the truth. And I pray that as we discover your words this morning, as we look at verse 1, that you will incline our ears to hear, to truly understand the driving force behind your perfect and holy word this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come before your presence that we can sing and glorify and lift up with our voice that you are God, the Holy One, the one who is everlasting to everlasting, who does not change, who deserves all praise. And Lord, may we praise you from our hearts as we think about these words this morning. Lord, may it be about you and not about us. May you help us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Solomon's investigation of life and all the vanity and all the issues. I mean, we look at all the, the things that are going on around us and the reality is, is, is like a lot of times we think, is, is it really worth it? We work and then it's gone and then we work again and, and we work for the car and the car breaks down. We work for the boat and the boat breaks down. We work for the house and the house burns up. We put our money in the bank and, or in stocks and the market goes belly up. You lose all your money and, and you think, is this really worth it in life? And Swindoll, you know, the, um, Chuck Swindoll, he opens up the examination of Ecclesiastes Five with this following thought. And he said this, and he said, So many of Solomon's ideas and observation are horizontal musings. That is, that they're just staring horizontally at the things of the earth. He said, So many times Solomon focused on the bitter, he focused on the barren things or the boring side of life, seeing through the disillusioned eyes. But on a few and rare occasions, Solomon breaks out of his cynical syndrome. And at those times, his comments contain a remarkable vertical perspective that scrapes away the veneer of empty religion and takes us back to the bedrock of meaningful relationship with our loving Lord. And, and that's the really the stick. That's really... The question this morning, is you or I coming to church this morning just a vain religious pursuit? Is it empty? Is it a meaningless relationship? And so many people across the world, they just go and they worship what is meaningless or they vainly approach church or they approach a house of worship and they are meaningless in their relationship with the Lord. And every individual and all of us must realize that 
God is involved in all the aspects and the avenues of life. Solomon has said that. He says, God is in all the work. God has given us a grievous task because of the sin-filled world. We, we have thorns and thistles. And even as I speak this morning, I have a working in the garden yesterday, I have a, a, a thorn that's stuck in, and it's red and it's, it's miserable. Uh, pulling weeds is not for the faint of heart. I'd rather go sit with and drink coffee with my pigs. <laughs> We're on pig watch and, and uh, I break, I, it's the best thing. I was like, I'm going to go pick, I'm going to go check the pigs and I get a cup of coffee and I go sit with her and I just massage her and just, and my wife's like, you don't do that with me. <laughs> She's like, look at my hands, they're sore from pulling weeds. And we live in this life, and life is filled with sinful musings of, we realize that it's just hard, and it's prickly, and it's not wonderful. And yet, we must realize that as we face all those things, that the reality is, is that we are going to come face to face with an eternal God. The God that created the world and it's all of its perfection and we destroyed in our sinfulness. Therefore, each person under the sun, everyone on earth under the sun, as Solomon likes to say, must anticipate an encounter with God. What does that look like? How do you prepare for that? Solomon takes us through this in the next few verses, through verses 1 through 7 and beyond. And this morning we're going to look at that idea of approaching the presence of God. How do we approach the presence of God? Well, look at verse 1. Solomon observes that too many of us, when we think about God and we approach worship, do it with an lackadaisical attitude. I bet most of you realize that this morning is like, oh, it's Sunday, we get up and it's time to go to church. Sunday night, we go to bed and we lay out our clothes and we realize, oh yeah, tomorrow's Sunday, we're going to go to church. But did you stop and think that I'm going to go to church to approach God in worship. The reality is, is that Psalm, or Solomon is looking at verse 1 and he's, he's noting that the lack of true reverence for the holy and for the holy one himself. And sometimes we come with this superficial worship and that's what he's revealing here in this one Verse to consider our approach to God. And in that approach to God and considering it, which somehow I messed this up again. That's uh, Leanna comes to the rescue. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> We need to guard our approach. Guard our approach. Right off the bat, Solomon says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. By the way, 
If you think of the house of God, you say, well, he's just talking about the temple. Yeah, he's talking about the temple. But if you look through the whole Old Testament, any time a prophet or any time somebody talks about going to worship God, he talks about guarding your steps. I'm not going to take the time to go through all of them, but it's not always talking about the temple. Sometimes it's the temple. Sometimes it's the tabernacle. Sometimes it's just talking about worshiping God. The idea here about guarding your steps means that the worshiper should prepare for worship. The context means that he should prepare his worship by obeying God beforehand. Do you realize that when we come to church to worship God, it's not about coming to church so we worship, so we obey God. We actually obey God so we can come and worship Him. Isn't that amazing? That should sound familiar. John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17. We see that God says, if you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In Solomon said, fear God, keep his commandments. Joshua, when he met with the angel of the Lord, said basically, and God said to him, God saying to Joshua, obey everything that I have commanded you and I will give you success. In fact, the, the Proverbs that was read to us this morning, Proverbs 4, verse 26, he says, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Verse 27, do not swerve the right or the left. or turn, He said, turn your foot away from evil. Guard your step, guard your approach. It means to ponder and prepare for worship. I don't know about you, but my kids, they, they are like, Dad, are there bears over there? They, they witnessed uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, they witnessed a, a coyote running out from the woods from near uh, Rob's place coming from there and, and, and got our cat. And uh, I couldn't believe that. My son saw it, and, and he's like, Dad, Dad. And the neighbor rushed out uh, and uh, did all that he could uh, to avert that. But then my son comes to me, and he goes, Dad, are there bears over there in those woods? He says, there's coyotes. Are there bears? And he was timid, and I said, oh, yeah, they're bears, but they're okay. And they're like, he's like, they're okay? What do you mean they're okay? And I was like, oh, they're, they're fine. And when I lived in Alaska, I had this unique opportunity that we took Every kid, part of PE was survival training. And in Alaska, everybody did that. And one of the things that they taught us was how to approach bears. You're like, what? Yeah. They, they taught you how to approach bears and how to leave in a good way because of approaching the bear. Um, part of approaching the bear is announcing your presence. It's important that the bear knows that you're there. Here's that 90% of the times, if the bear knows you're there, you can actually approach the bear. I got to witness this for the first time and practice this when when we were fishing. My dad took us fishing, and my dad didn't often take me fishing, but when he knew we were going to catch fish, we went fishing. And we were fishing on the Russian River um, in Alaska, and we were catching Dolly Vardens, which are a type of 
trout that goes out to the ocean and comes back, similar to a, a, a steelhead, and we're fishing, and I'm sitting there, and I hear a noise, and I'm looking, and there's a bear walking between me and my friend, a grizzly bear. I mean, you know it's a grizzly bear because you can hear it. Every time it steps, steps you hear the step, and you hear the... <laughs> you see the hump on the back of its head, and it's like, oh, this is not just a black bear. This is a thousand-pound bear. And he walks, and I'm like, trying to tell my dad there's a bear. My dad has the 357 strapped to his side. So it's like, all of a sudden, it's like I'm fishing, and my fishing rod doesn't have the fish. I've lost all interest. I'm staring at the bear. I'm like, okay. So I start making noise. I whistle, and the bear kind of looks at me and just keeps on going, walks right down to the river, grabs a fish, and takes a big bite out of the fish and throws the fish back in the water, walks across the river. I was like... And we made noise, and, and the fish, the, the bear just ignored us the whole time. It's like it knew we were there, but the fish, all he cared about, he went down and he fished a few more times and ate a few more fish. And when the bear was done, and just kept walking off. Knowing, it's funny because my son was like, bears, he doesn't know how to approach them, so they're intimidating. They're harsh. They're, there's something to be nervous about. For me, it's like I take it for granted living in Alaska. We came in, we approached bears all the time. A lot of times I'm like, it's just a bear. You just do this, you do this, you do this. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't scare it. You don't, right? you don't do this and you don't be quiet. You want the bear to know you're there. There's a lot of things that I take for granted. I think many times our approach to God can be the same. God is so big and he's, he's, he's it's nervous. It's like, what do I do? And, and, and some of us, it's like, it's hard. Some of us, maybe we are like myself and we just take the approach to God for granted. We need to guard our steps. Gathering for public worship of God. Public. We're saying that God is great. We need to not take it for granted. So many times it's easy to take it for granted and that when we come to worship God that we are coming to the presence of a holy God and saying that He's great. We're doing it publicly. How are we doing that? How did we prepare for that? John 4, 23 through 24, Jesus said this. It says, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. As in Christ's statement, we ought not to approach worship lightly, nor worship without intentional preparation of the heart. That's what Solomon is saying here. We need to guard our approach. We need to be intentional about our steps. Ephesians chapter 5, he says, we need to walk circumspectly. Walk circumspectly means to guard our steps, to 
It's like walking through a minefield. We're going to be like, okay, that's a good step. That's a good step. When I was in Israel, there was a sign. It says, on the, it said, warning, uh, potential mines, because they hadn't cleared all the mines from all the wars in Israel. And so, I, you know, of course, I had to be the rebellious one and lift up the fence and crawl through and say, like that, you know, take the photo op, you know, because I was dumb and silly. I wasn't guarding my step. But that's what God is saying. Ponder your path. Guard our step. The house of God is not a place to just say, yeah, God is good, and then yet not, and then walk around daily in sin. The gathering of the saints for public worship in our own day is exactly what he's talking about here, is to guard our steps when you go to publicly worship God. Obedience to the word of God in our private life prepares us, the believer, to participate in the public worship. If you turn to Malachi chapter 3, you're going to see a group of people that didn't guard their steps, that didn't prepare themselves. Let me give you a great illustration about how not guarding your step looks like. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 15. It's an interesting section because God is proclaiming his dislike in the believer's life. He's proclaiming the fact that, that they have hurt him, they've robbed him, they are not worshiping him the way that he is intended. In verse 6, he says, For I, the Lord, do not change. I'm not going to change my mind. I don't change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. He says, For the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Look at what God says. Basically, they were saying, wait, wait a minute, what do you mean return to me? Aren't we with you? But look at God's answer. Will man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and your contributions. You are accursed with a, with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that, you, that there may be food in my house. To give you a little background, you know what's going on here? In order to get the full background, you have to go back to the book of Nehemiah. You remember in Nehemiah, there was Sanballat and Tobiah and Sabalat. There was these guys who were, who were ridiculing Nehemiah and those that were doing the work of God. And, and they were saying, You'll, they were slandering them and ridiculing them. And by the way, guess where these guys lived? Did you know that Israel, that the, the people of Israel, the, the priests, the rulers of Israel, had made an apartment for these Gentiles and they were living in the, in the, in the temple area of God. They had invited these Gentiles in. They had made an apartment where all the tithes and offerings were supposed to go 
to be able to feed the priests, to feed the Levites, to feed the people that needed help. And they made it into an apartment for Gentiles in the house of God. And he's, and he's saying, you've robbed me. He says, you need, open up the storehouses, bring the offerings in and fill them up. He says, you're not doing what I've asked you to do. Verse 11 says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that, you see, he's talking about the blessing that he wants to give them, that he will give them. Verse 12, he says, then all the nations will call you blessed for you'll be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. But look at verse 13, he says something else. He says, your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, well, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. It is hard. It is wor- Why should we serve God? It is worthless. It doesn't do anything. That's what they're saying. What is the profit for keeping this charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? He said, why should we come before the Lord the way that God has asked Why should we do that? Verse 15, he says, And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. And of course, this was being prophesied during the exact same time when these Gentiles were living on the Temple Mount where God was meant to be worshipped, where they were meant to to prepare the tithes and offerings that were coming in were meant to prepare the worshiper to draw near with the right heart before God. Guard your approach, Solomon says. It's important. He said also, draw near to listen. Solomon goes on and he says, not only in, in, he says here in uh, verse 1, he says, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Solomon instructs those who worship in the temple and in the house of God to listen when they come to worship. Listen, it says, basically it's proposing that God's word is going to be spoken, so you need to listen. By the way, the Hebrew word here for listen denotes the idea that you listen, that you might obey. That's what in Proverbs was talking about. Listen, pay attention, incline your ear to my instructions so that way you will do it. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Are you listening with your ear? Are you just hearing it or are you listening with your heart and your mind? Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Solomon instructs us, says, listen, the worshiper is to draw near to here. So before we come to church, we're supposed to guard our approach to work on obeying God before we come. And then when we come, we're supposed to come with the idea that we're going to hear from God. That's worship. It's to draw near that we might hear. Not 
get, but give God glory. Give God worship. It echoes what God told Moses when Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments. He, in uh, Deuteronomy 5.27 is the same concept. He says, go near and hear all that the Lord your God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. They were telling Moses, go up and, and hear, hear God. Draw near to God. James 1.19 says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear or listen and be slow to speak which leads to slow to anger. That, be, that asks the question this morning, were you anticipating, were you guarding your step before you come? And then when you came, were you eagerly waiting to hear from the Lord? Because the contrast is point number three, and the contract is this. Don't be foolish and hasty. Don't be foolish and hasty. In contrast, in the end of the verse, says, Don't be the one who offers sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing is evil. To offer without the correct heart and attitude, that's the sacrifice of fools. It depicts someone going through the motions of offering a sacrifice while spewing a torrent of empty words, but not possessing any awareness of God. It's, it's someone who comes day in and day out to the house of God or comes to worship God and they never hear from God. They're offering foolish sacrifice. They're like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of this for God and nothing changes. They feel empty. That's what happened to Saul. You remember the first king of Israel, Saul? They said, give us a king, give us a king. And they said, we want a king who's big and who's... Basically, in the Hebrew, means beautiful, something great to look at. They wanted that Greek god, that chiseled guy. And so they got Saul. He was over six feet tall. He was the, one of the largest Jews in all of Israel until Goliath came, right? There's always somebody bigger. So no matter how big you are, there's always somebody bigger and better, Right? They were foolish and hasty. And in 1 Samuel 15, if you've ever read this and, and we've heard this, uh, David quotes this, quoted in the New Testament as well. 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23, it says, And Samuel said, he's talking to Saul, he says, Has the, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering? Has he delighted in the burnt offering? And sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen, listen to obey is the context here, than the fat of the rams. As Israel is supposed to offer up this, the fatted ram as a sin offering, he said, is the Lord delighting in that burnt offering or is he obeying? delighting in the obedience is he in in is god delighting in the listening of obedience verse 
23, for rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the Lord your God, he has also rejected you from being king. If you turn back to 1 Samuel 13, you'll realize Saul, Saul is sitting there looking and, and, and the Philistines are mustering up their forces and they're coming up against the Jews and, and Israel and Saul, Saul is getting worried. He's like, oh my goodness, here they come. And guess what? The people were beginning to flee. And he's like, my army is, is going away. We got a problem. I need to do something. I need to do something to draw them back. And he goes, I know. I will make an offering and I'll tell everybody we're going to offer to the Lord and I'll make a vow that, we, that we're going to do this and that. And you read it. It's there in, in chapter 13. And he got afraid because Israel was running and the Philistines were coming and he's like, they're going to wipe us out. Oh, I know. Doing an offering, it's good. It'll draw everybody back. It'll give them confidence because when we offer something to the Lord, usually God does something great, so I'll do it. But there was one thing. Saul was not permitted to make the offering. Only Samuel, the high priest, was before God. Samuel was the only one that was supposed to come before the presence to offer this offering. But Samuel wasn't there, so Solomon, in his haste, made a vow before all the people that God was going to work, and then he went and made an offering that he was not permitted to offer. And in his haste, God removed him because of his disobedience. He didn't guard his steps. And he came and he wasn't listening in obedience to the Lord. And because of that, and because of what he thought was the end, and and in fear, he foolishly ran and made an offering that he was not supposed to make. Do we do that sometime? And that's the question is, is, do we foolishly and hastily run because of fear and we run and we make an offering, we vow to God something that we shouldn't vow? In Matthew 6, 7, and 8, Jesus is critiquing the Pharisees for the way that they worship God. He told the disciples, he said, look, he said, there's a false worship that is unruly, noisy, hasty, self-centered, irreverent, and refuses to submit to God's word. He says, look at the Pharisees. They do not obey my word. They care more about themselves. By the way, do you know fool is one of the main words in Ecclesiastes? It occurs over 23 times. It denotes one who is dull and is obstinate, referring to a person's choice and outlook rather than his, it's not talking about his mental equipment or faculty. It's talking about the way he looks. This is what it's talking about. The foolish worshiper does not engage in a pursuit of wisdom. They're not coming to God to pursue his wisdom. Proverbs seventeen sixteen it says, 
Why should a fool have money in his hands to buy wisdom when he has no sense? It's literally saying he has the money to gain wisdom. He has the ability to get wisdom, but yet he doesn't use it on wisdom. He uses it for something else. That's what a fool does. A foolish worshiper has the ability to approach God, but he doesn't obey God and use God's word to approach wisdom. The fool develops a spiritual problem rather than a mental issue. Proverbs 1.29 says, Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of God. It's a spiritual problem. The fool in his haste says, I know, I will do what I want to do. Because they're not guarding the steps and because they're not listening to God, they just hastily and foolishly run and do the things that they want to do rather than fear God. They fear the circumstances of their life. The foolish worshiper is the one who delights in their folly. You say, really? Yeah. Proverbs 26, 11, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. They enjoy it. They return over and over to his folly. Of course, in Proverbs, Solomon gives us a, an amazing descriptive and gross look. But if you own a dog, you understand exactly what it's saying. I don't, can't tell you how many times we've woken up in the morning to find or step in, vomit, and only to see the dog come back and start licking it. It's like, yuck, get away. We're like, how could he do that? That is gross. And yet we come to church and we realize that what we're doing in life is truly foolish. And what do we do? We run back to it on Monday. The foolish worshiper is quick to run to his own delights. He has the ability to worship God, but he doesn't listen to obey. The false worshiper displays no reverence for the truth. Reverence for the truth. Proverbs 14.8 says this, The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. There's no reverence. There's no, they don't listen to gain the truth. They listen and don't obey. There's no reverence for the truth. Reverence for the truth means that they, they desire it above all things. The Holy Spirit, God is looking for those who will seek to worship Him by spirit and truth. God saved us through the power of the Holy Spirit to give us His peace, to give us His comfort, to lead us to truth. We have to worship Him in spirit and truth by the power of God's Word. The false worshiper is danger, is a danger to true fellowship. When Solomon says, draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. The false worshiper, they, they live in their folly for so long that they don't realize 
that they're a danger to really, they don't understand what true fellowship is. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It's amazing how the false worshipers or the foolish worshiper, not just false, but the foolish, the one who's not listening and guarding their steps, they enjoy spending, they don't want to spend time with the wise. They feel shameful and guilt, and so they run to the foolish. And they hang out with the foolish. 17.12 in Proverbs says, Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. It's better to meet a bear that you've stolen their cubs. How many of you know what that means? One thing we learned is, is never get between a bear and its cubs. In fact, that same day we were fishing, we were walking back and I heard noise and I looked behind us and there's a young bear following us as we carry the stringer of fish back to our truck. And I'm watching and I'm remembering, I'm like, Dad, there's a young bear. I do not know where the mother is. He said, son, drop your fish. (laughs) It'll stop following you. And I said, I'm not, you drop your fish. <laughs> we started to argue whose fishes were better. And I was like, this is dumb. So we dropped, we dropped a fish. And we began to walk back. And sure enough, the lost interest in us because it ate the fish. Do not get, it's better to get between a bear and its cubs than to be foolish. Because we're really not in true fellowship. See, it's a danger to true fellowship. It's, it's a danger to his fellowship with God, but also fellowship with believers. Proverbs 18.6 says, A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A foolish worshiper is constantly using his words to create discord or problems or frustration. Literally, Saul is saying, the fool goes from their sacrifice with an easy conscience to plunge himself again into evil. Saying that they are so foolish that They are not even aware that their sacrifice is evil and an offense to God and they just plunge their life back into ruin again and again and again and again. Here's the thing. Don't become a foolish worshiper. And this is a question. Are you worshiping God foolish this morning? Are you just coming to hope that the teaching will make you better Are you looking for patented answers to just deal with your life problems? Are you here to hear from God, to obey God, to to respond to who God is? Or are you just simply here for the great music? Definitely not for the great speaker. (laughs) Thank you, son. (laughs) 
what are you here for? The comfortable seats, the nice person next to you, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully it's not to run out the back door away from the person next to you. (laughs) Are you here just because it's so friendly? That's foolish. Those things come and go. I guarantee that somebody's going to say something foolish because we are sinful people. We need a holy God. Don't become a foolish worshiper who is so spiritually dull in true godly understanding. You've missed the point of coming to guard your steps to obey the Lord, to hear God, that you don't understand who God is. You don't understand where to go in your relationship with God. That you think that you are doing something good and acceptable. Don't be that one that's like, oh, I'm going to church and it's just, I, I'm, I'm doing what is good and acceptable. I, I, oh, there's a need. I'm going to go I'm going to go give to the poor. I'm going to go do something needy. And, and you're just going about just in busyness, but you're not guarding your approach to God. You don't obey God's word. You don't listen to God's word. Jesus said, if you have ears, then hear. Of course, we all have ears, but that doesn't mean that we're listening. That's what Jesus was saying to The Pharisees, it's like, you guys have ears, but how come you can't hear? Don't be a foolish worshiper who thinks that they're just a good person, so I'm going to come and do good things. And the more good things I do, then God will just find me acceptable in his sight. Solomon starts off with this section and says, look, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Guard your steps and listen to his words. How's your relationship with God? Where's your relationship at? Those are important questions. Jesus said, he that has me has life. If you don't have Christ, you don't have life. The beginning of our relationship with God begins through the power of his spirit that shows you the truth that Jesus is the way. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through, it's over here now, (laughs) through Christ. It didn't get moved back over to its usual spot. The cross, through the resurrection. He can say that he is the life because he rose again. How are you approaching? Are you approaching God through Christ, or are you trying to approach God through your good works? When you get up in the morning, are you asking yourself, God, I need to listen to you today. How can I glorify you? Are you saying, well, how can I just fix my problems? Don't be foolish. Don't Don't be foolish in your approach to worship. Start thinking, how can I guard my steps this week so I can approach worshiping God differently next week. I guarantee if you are guarding your steps and you're wanting to listen, draw near to listen to God, you're going to look at 
the people in the seats around you differently. In fact, I dare say you may even look beyond them and not notice them as much. And in doing that, you'll love God more. And wow, you'll be surprised that you will turn and love your neighbor more. How are you approaching God this morning? Let's pray. Lord, I I pray that your spirit would invite people to boldly approach the throne of grace. To say, yes, I need to listen to you, Lord. I need to respond to you to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. 1 John chapter 1 talks about how we know that we are saved when it says that that one will desire fellowship with God, will be drawn to the light, and it says that he will confess his sin because, Lord, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that we would guard our approach to worship. May we not just be saying, oh yeah, next week I'm going to go to First Baptist Church. Instead, may we guard our steps and say, Lord, how, can I, how may I obey you this week? How can I grow in my relationship with you this week so I can come and worship you on Sunday? How can I help Others worship you. How can I guard my steps this week that I might hear your word and respond to it? Maybe someone here you are convicting and your spirit is saying, well, I has kind of hit a nerve and I pray that they would boldly approach you right now and just confess whatever they're struggling with to you. Maybe they've heard some words today and say, Lord, I need to respond to you and that they would do that right now. That they would respond to the good news that we are not good, but you, the Holy One, Jesus, you being God came and you came and put aside your throne and your right to reign over all the universe and you came And you lived in humility and you died to take upon the wrath, the payment for our sin. And Lord, if someone here has been living based on their good deeds, that they would realize that they aren't good, that only God is good. So Jesus, you died on the cross and you rose again to conquer death, to make the sacrifice complete. And you did that to offer to us as a gift. I pray that someone here would call upon you and say, I need you. I am a sinner. And that they would be saved this morning. So as we sing, I pray that we would take this opportunity to respond from our heart as we sing to do business with you, to to worship you, to lay aside the desires of the day, the desires of the week, and just say, I need you, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Or, Lord, I need you because I'm not in a relationship with you. I'm not saved for my sin. I need a Savior. 
Save me. Forgive me. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning, that we can boldly come into your presence. In Jesus' name we pray.